Hello and welcome to episode 31 of Glitch Report. My name is Nitwit. Thank you so much for stopping by, saying hi, kicking it with me today on the stream, the stream of dreams, the show of shows and everything in between. You can find everything that I do over at my link tree, linktree.com slash G-N-I-T-T-W-I-T-T, Twitch, Twitter, YouTube, Instagram, everything. Thank you for the folks hanging out in the Twitch chat over at twitch.tv slash G-N-I-T-T-W-I-T-T. Thank you for watching the video version of this podcast over at my YouTube channel. And thank you for listening to the audio version of this podcast available everywhere you get your podcasts. iTunes, I guess they call it Apple Podcasts now. Uh, Spotify, uh, Amazon, Google. I'm all over the place, man. I am. I am. Uh, I get around. All right, I get around. Uh, so thank you uh, for joining me for episode 31. On the show today, we are going to be covering a huge amount of news, tons of Nintendo news uh, this week on the show. Some Sony PlayStation 5 sales numbers. Uh, and we're going to kick things off with Hogwarts Legacy. Hogwarts Legacy is the uh, big game release for this week that is out uh as by the time you hear this podcast, uh, Hogwarts Legacy will be out on PC, uh, PS5, and Xbox Series X and S. Remember that uh, earlier, actually, I want to say it was last year, um, they delayed uh, the PS4 and Xbox One and Switch versions of uh, of Hogwarts Legacies. But as now, at least we can say that the game is out in, in some way, shape, and form. Um, currently has an 86 out of a hundred on Metacritic. That's for the PlayStation five version of the game. Um, we're going to take a quick look at, uh, some of the reviews. I, I grabbed a couple of review, um, kind of blurbs from, uh, people who've had the chance to play the game, just trying to get a consensus on, uh, what the game is like, because it is one of the biggest games of the year. You know, I would say uh, definitely one of the biggest games for the first half of uh, 2023. But when you really look at it, I mean, they don't make a lot of Harry Potter games. Uh, and this is one of the few Harry Potter games that isn't based around a movie tie. And if you remember back in the day when Warner Brothers was making the, you know, kind of the mainline Harry Potter games, uh, based off of uh, sorry, making mainline Harry Potter movies based off the books, uh, EA had the license uh, for uh, to for the Harry Potter games. So Warner Brothers, you know, Daniel Radcliffe and, and all that jazz uh, making the Harry Potter movies while EA was making the game. So the games uh, back then were coming out around the PlayStation 1, PlayStation 2, and they actually moved into the uh, PS3 and Xbox 360 um, for the last couple of, uh, you know, games based on the movies. And um, I'll just say this. Uh, those Harry Potter games are not good. Like... You know, they felt like shovelware, half-baked movie tie-in games the way that, you know, Blade for the PlayStation 1 or whatever. It's a weird example, but um, the way that other movie tie-in games at, at the time seemed bad. So for the longest time, you know, Harry Potter fans have been like, give us, you know, let us bake our own wizard. Let's go to Hogwarts. Let's... Put on the sorting hat. Let's do the shit that you do in Harry Potter. I'm going to say first and foremost, I am not the, I'm, I would not call myself a Harry Potter fan. I guess that's, that's what I, where I would start with this, uh, this opening bit here is I'm not a Harry Potter fan. I have read most of the books as a child. I did not see all of the movies. I did not keep up with the series as we moved on to fantastic beasts and where to find them and all that stuff and to be honest i do find myself a little turned off by um the franchise at large due to the fact that jk rowling is a piece of shit now if i were and i may uh get into and check out hogwarts legacy um i am coming from it from the position of is this a good video game is this a fun action rpg open world game you know i am not coming from it from the perspective of how is this representative of harry potter how does this correct 
if it, if it even attempts to correct the legacy around J.K. Rawlings, um, you know, relentless uh, attacks towards trans people um, and minorities and 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 things like that. You know, I am I am not a moral compass. I I maybe that goes without saying. Um, I give money to terrible people all the time. We were actually talking about this on uh, on my stream uh, yesterday. I give money to terrible people all the time, right? So if there's an argument to be made that you know buying Hogwarts Legacy continues to fund the bullshit surrounding um, J.K. Rowling, you know you're totally fine to make that argument and if i am a bad person for potentially being interested in again hogwarts legacy i do not own the game you know the game is out friday or uh, you know as of the recording from this podcast um there is a deluxe edition if you buy it now you would get it early plus like dlc and stuff but uh the point is is that you know i am not here to tell you whether you should or shouldn't buy hogwarts legacy um, you know, it's, there's a lot of controversy around that and I, and, and I'm going to address that controversy by saying, and I, and I hate to have like a, a bullshit centrist take because I mean, like trans people are, are human beings and, and deserve, you know, the same respect and care and, and, and leave them the fuck alone the same way people leave me a straight white male, the fuck alone. Um, but, uh. Again, you can argue, oh, Nitwit, you're a hypocrite. How can you say, you know, that J.K. Rowling should leave trans people alone if you then go buy a Hogwarts, you know, a Harry Potter game that could go fund her exploits into doing, continuing to do the things that you don't think she should do? And again, I'm not, I'm not a moral compass. I'm not, I'm just a guy with a podcast about video games. And, and that is an oversimplified way of, you know, kind of putting it. There, there is a responsibility to take care of the people that need taken care of. I just don't know if um, this is, I don't know what else to say other than again, if you, if you have real issues with, with JK Rowling, uh, please do not buy that game. Vote with your dollar. Right. And, uh, and if what I have to say is, um, is, is not what you want to hear. You have every right to not listen to this podcast, not support, uh, my content, my programs and all that stuff. Um, so I want to get that out of the way. Um, first I did pull a couple of quotes from reviewers for the game. Um, I pulled two, one from games radar plus one from video games, Chronicles. shout out to video games, Chronicles where I go to know and prepare for this podcast. Um, so like I said, 86% on Metacritic for the PlayStation five version, a little bit higher than, um, I would have thought, you know, this, I felt like this game was going to be coming in real hot and potentially be hot, but a hot mess. Uh, maybe not so much the case. Um, Games Radar Plus writing, uh, quote, Hogwarts Legacy is a solid first attempt. If Avalanche can be accused of anything, it's that the studio has tried to do too much all at once. Something was always going to give between the massive open world, the messy RPG economy, exciting action combat, and adventure story that wants to cast you as the hero with homework due on Monday. But you can see a world in which a sequel sands down some of the rougher edges and settles into a finer balance between the demands of an interactive experience and the lores of the wizarding world. Uh, video, And that was a, they gave that game a 70 uh, percent uh, and video games chronicles coming in with an 80 um, video games chronicle writes hogwarts legacy brilliantly captures the magic of the world of harry potter with its beautiful open world engaging characters and exciting combat while the open world elements of the game make it feel more dated than we would uh, we'd have liked it's otherwise the best wizarding world has been in a video game um, again, you can go to Metacritic, read a bunch of reviews. There was a lot of controversy around the IGN review. Um, IGN reviewed it, gave that game a nine out of 10, a 90%. And, uh, folks were arguing that the score that IGN gave, uh, you know, Hogwarts legacy is not actually representative of the text that supports that number in the written review, basically saying that, you know, the, the reviewer, you know, 
apparently or allegedly had more problems and more criticism of the game in their written review than is representative of a 9 out of 10, basically saying that there are more glowing reviews for worse games um, out there written by, you know, IGN reviewers than in the case for Hogwarts Legacy. Again, that is an, another controversy that I... I, I cannot I cannot really speak 100% on. I did not go read that IGN review. I did see some clips and, and snippets of the review here and there. And again, if you don't trust IGN, don't support them. Like, these people that will go on fucking Facebook and Twitter and just harass people and harass IGN reviewers and harass the readers and supporters of IGN, like, you're not, you're not winning. If you think that IGN gives fake video game news and reviews and shit, like, just fucking don't give them the attention. Because when you type in IGN, more people discover IGN. That's it's, it's as simple as that. It's as simple as that. Especially in the case of IGN, they're so big. They're reviewing movies. They're reviewing games. They're reviewing TV shows. They're doing everything, right? So someone is going to come across them, and you might be the person uh, to introduce them to IGN. Uh, by bitching and complaining about what IGN has to offer. Um, so keep that in mind. Apparently, uh, Hogwarts Legacy is doing pretty well. Um, uh, Hogwarts Legacy's early access release is one of Steam's biggest ever single-player launches. So, yeah, it seems like it is quite popular um, to some extent. There is... A huge amount of Nintendo news. Uh, let's get into it. Nintendo had a Nintendo Direct um, that was on Wednesday. Um, the Nintendo Direct, if you've never seen one or heard of it, it is you know basically a pre-recorded video that Nintendo streams out live um, that covers a wide variety of news. You know whether it be updates on games that are currently in development in the form of say Zelda Tears of the Kingdom. Or, you know, new announcements or DLC announcements. There was uh, a ton of news uh, to come out of this uh, Nintendo Direct that happened. And I got it all covered for you right here. Nintendo announced that Mario Kart 8 Deluxe's next DLC includes a new Yoshi Island track and Birdo. If you don't remember, um, Nintendo announced that they were going to do... A uh, Mario Kart 8 Deluxe Booster Pack, um, which was 48 additional DLC tracks across six waves, all of them to be released by the end of 2023. We are up to Wave 4. Wave 4 includes a Yoshi Island track and also Birdo. Birdo, a playable character. Um, also, going to mention this. Um, Birdo, if you're not familiar with the history and legacy of Birdo, Birdo is a dinosaur, is a pink dinosaur with a bow, uh, in their hair. And Birdo is one of the first trans characters in all of games. Um, so, you know, you talk about the legacy of representation, um, you know, in games, you know, shout out to, shout out to Nintendo. Um, whether, you know, Birdo does have a bit, a little bit of a messy history, uh, to some extent, you know, potentially some attempts to, to whitewash, uh, some of Birdo's history, but Birdo, if you don't know, one of the first trans characters, uh, in games, uh, and, uh, you know, Birdo has been seen in a variety of Mario games, some of the Mario puzzle games, um, tennis, golf, and things like that, but not... Not in as many, you know, Mario games as, say, Yoshi, for example. Um, with that said, that uh, Deluxe Pack is coming out. Again, Wave 4. I still think that's a pretty darn good deal. I mean, it's 25 bucks US. 25 bucks US, so whatever it is in Canada. For 48 DLC tracks. Um, that is a lot. That's a lot of uh, additional courses to race on in Mario Kart 8 Deluxe. Um... Remember when we're going to move on from, from, I mean, that's all there. I haven't even played any of the Mario Kart tracks, so I couldn't even tell you if those new DLC tracks are any good. But, um, remember when, you know, Sony and Microsoft started to increase the price of games, uh, to $70 and the last company to do, you know, to get around to doing that was going to be Nintendo. 
Nintendo has now finally gotten around to doing that. Confirmed um, yesterday, uh, Legend of Zelda Tears of the Kingdom is going to be the first $70 Switch game. Now, it was inevitable that this was going to happen. It was inevitable the first time one of these you know, console manufacturers decided to increase the price of their games. The problem is that you could make an argument for the PlayStation 5 and the Xbox Series S and X. Why? Because they were brand new consoles. You know, they had only been out for a year or so. And the prices were, you know, largely being adjusted for inflation. In the case of Nintendo, I mean, the Switch has been out for like six years, man. It is, it is long in the tooth. Uh, some might argue, despite new games coming out on the horizon like Legend of Zelda Tears of the Kingdom. With that said, they have now adjusted the pre-order prices for Tears of the Kingdom to be $70 US. They also announced a collector's edition that is going to be $130 US. It will, uh, that uh, collector's edition will include a physical version of the game, an art book with concept art, a steel bookcase, an icon heart steel poster, and a set of four pin badges. So they give you a bunch of garbage and then charge you a bunch more money for it. I'm not the biggest fan of collector edition games. If you like collector's edition games, more power to you. Don't let me stop you. Um, but yeah, we are now, everyone now is charging the same amount of money for their, uh, for their games. And, uh, that will, you know, continue to happen. Um, we're still paying Canada. We as in Canadians are still paying like 20 bucks more for those, uh, for those games, which is, which is extra fucked, right? You know, Zelda is going to be 89, 99, uh, in Canada. Compared to $70 in the US, which man just fucking stinks, bro. Um, can't get a dollar value menu item at the Wendy's anymore in Canada. This inflation shit sucks. And having a weak dollar, which is always in com competition with, um, you know, the American dollar is not great. New Professor Layton game has been in development. They really don't have much to say about this new Professor Layton game. Other than that, Level 5 has announced Professor Layton and the New World of Steam. Not Steam, the PC, you know, game marketplace, but like Steam is in train engines and, and shit. Um, the trailer showed Layton walking along a steampunk-like town before turning to the camera. No further game or release date information was confirmed. Um, this, I'm assuming, is going to come to Switch. Um, I don't think a lot of the Professor Layton games have made their way to other platforms. Um, those are typically uh, reserved for uh, Nintendo consoles. Um, if you remember when we talked about the, uh, the um, what do they call it? The Microsoft Developer Direct. Not the Nintendo Direct, but the Microsoft Developer Direct. One of the big, really, uh, big news items coming out of the Microsoft Developer Direct was that Hi-Fi Rush was not only announced, but released at the same time. Hi-Fi Rush, developed by Tango Gameworks, the people that do Evil Within 1 and 2, and uh, Ghostwire Tokyo. Um, people seem to really be happy about um, Hi-Fi Rush. I may, maybe should go back and play some of it, but uh, not right now. But uh, Nintendo pulled a Hi-Fi Rush and announced and released a Metroid Prime remaster. As you know, or may know, uh, Metroid Prime 4 is in development hell somewhere at Nintendo. Someone is chipping away at a fourth Metroid Prime game. Uh, but hopefully Nintendo's release of Metroid Prime remaster will hold you off until the new game is out. Out now for $40. Um, uh, US it's available digitally on the Nintendo eShop for $40 US and uh, there's going to be a physical version of that game coming out February 22nd um, according to Nintendo the remastered version of the game features HD visuals and enhanced sound I believe they've also done um, some work to the controls as well Metroid Prime is kind of the first person um, Metroid game they took Metroid and made it a first person shooter and uh, I never had the chance to play it maybe I should go pick up the uh, remastered version now 
Um, or I could go play some Game Boy and Game Boy Advance games, which are now available as part of the Nintendo Switch Online. Now, the Game Boy Advance does require the expansion pack membership. I give PlayStation Plus a lot of shit for their tiered system and the value that uh, differentiates between the tiered systems as it relates to PlayStation Plus. Nintendo, on the other hand, uh, is not much better. I would argue that the play that the Nintendo, uh, you know, online Nintendo switch online subscription service is a pretty terrible deal. Um, but now they've made it slightly better with the inclusion of game boy and game boy color games, which will be available as part of the standard switch online subscription. And then of course, game boy advance games, which will require the expansion pack add on, which is also required to play at Nintendo 64 and Sega games. Uh, that costs uh, 50 bucks for a year of subscription, while a family membership will cost $80 uh, for a 12-month subscription. We do have a list of some of the games here. I'm going to read those over. You tell me what you think about the potential to play these uh, play these video games. So um, these are for the Game Boy and Game Boy Color. They're available today. Uh, Super Mario Land 2, 6 Golden Coins, Link's Awakening DX, Tetris... Gargoyles Quest, Game & Watch Gallery 3, Alone in the Dark, The New Nightmare, Metroid 2, Return of Samus, Wario Land 3, and Kirby's Dreamland. And for those looking to play some Game Boy Advance games, we have Super Mario Advance 4, Super Mario Bros. 3, that is, that's the full name of the title. Uh, WarioWare Inc. Mega Micro Games, uh, games with a dollar sign. Kuru Kuru Kurin and Mario Kart Super Circuit. Um, Kuru Kuru Kurin and Mario Kart Super Circuit. Uh, Mario and Luigi Superstar, uh, sorry, Superstar Saga and The Legend of Zelda The Minish Cap. Honestly, like, maybe I would play... Ugh. I might play... Hmm... Maybe Super Mario Advance 4, Super Mario Brothers 3? Maybe? I played a lot of Mario Kart Super Circuit on the Game Boy Advance back in the day. I don't know if I need to play any more of it. Also, if I wanted to play Mario Kart, I'd probably go play Mario Kart 8 Deluxe. But for those interested, it is now uh, up and available. Advance Wars. Let's talk Advance Wars. Uh, Advance Wars 1 and 2 Reboot Camp was delayed. Uh, uh, out of last year due to the war in Ukraine. Um, Advanced Wars deals in war and, you know, the, you know, kind of, how would I put it? Car Advanced Wars is like a cartoonish uh, interpretation of war, which uh, may not be something that is very considerate uh, when you add that there are a lot of real wars going on, um, especially with Russia invading Ukraine. They delayed it was basically a remaster remake of advanced wars one and two hence the name reboot camp um they delayed it they now have a date for it that's out april that's out april 21st um sorry that took so long the article did not make it obvious when that was coming out oh no it says right there on the screen i'm a dummy april 21st April 21st, they have now announced that date for it. So Advanced Wars fans have that to look forward to. Um, and hopefully we can get some peace in Ukraine, damn it. Uh, but uh, until then, Advanced Wars, I guess. New Samba de Amigo game has been announced for the Switch. Samba de Amigo, you might be asking yourself, what is a Samba de Amigo? Uh, Samba de Amigo is a uh, music rhythm game. Uh, where you shake maracas, you know, like da 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 da, like that, right? Um, Samba de Amigo Party Central has been announced for the Switch. Um, I'm just gonna read. I'm just gonna read what it says here on the Video Games Chronicle story. Like, I'm just gonna just read what it says on the page. Damn it, because um, I, you know, I think you'll know what type of rhythm party music game this is. After I'm finished reading it, it's time to shake it on center stage in this vibrant rhythm action game, reads an official product description of the Nintendo eShop. 
Pick up your maracas and groove to 40 hit songs from the world's most popular genres, with even more arriving as post-launch DLC. And this is the Samba de Amigo Party Central features. Groove with your friends and family with different party modes. Feeling confident in your skills? Compete to the Streamigo challenges to help Amigo rise to fame. Strut that style by customizing your character with unique custom uh, costumes and accessories. Take the party to a global level. Hit the floor with 12 Amigos and up to 8 of your friends online in world party mode. Show the world you've got uh, show the world what you've got by competing on the online leaderboard. So uh Amigo I believe the character's name is Amigo is like a pinata looking monkey and they shake maracas in time to the music. It is a Switch game. Now you might be wondering, "Well, I don't have maracas for my Nintendo Switch. What the fuck am I going to do?" Don't worry about it. Use the Nintendo Switch Joy-Cons. The controls the controllers that, you know, mount to the side of your Nintendo Switch or to your uh, Switch Switchpad Pro, Switch the Joy-Cons. That's what they call them. That's right. I never play my Nintendo Switch, so I forget everything about it. But maybe I'll pick up Samba de Amigo Party Central and shake what the good Lord gave me. And what the good Lord gave me was maracas because I don't shake my ass for anybody. Or maybe I would for Samba de Amigo. I don't know. That seems fun. Bioshock creator Ken Levine's new game now has an official launch window. This was announced um, back at the Game Awards uh, back in December. And it was called Judas. I'm assuming because Ken Levine is a big fan of Chris Jericho and Fozzie. I mean, who isn't? I know I am. Uh, Take-Two now plans to release Ghost Story Games' debut title, Judas, by March 2025. Now, in fairness, we will all be dead from uh, global warming uh, by March 2025. But it's nice to think that if we're not, I'll have something to look forward to. I've enjoyed some of Ken Levine's, you know, past work. Uh, looking at games like Bioshock, you know, or probably his biggest uh, biggest games, Bioshock 1 and Bioshock Infinite. People would argue Ken Levine, some of Ken Levine's games are some of the greatest games ever made. Um... With Judas, there is not a lot to currently go off of because all they showed was a mostly story-based um, trailer back at the Game Awards, but we will find out more as soon as we can. Uh, for those asking, Nitwit, what are you sipping on? What are you drinking? It's a sugar-free Red Bull. Um, that doesn't really show on camera. Also, it doesn't show in the audio version of the podcast, so, you know. Uh, it's a sugar-free Red Bull. I have some other energy drinks. I bought some... Um, I made the dangerous decision to import, uh, or not import, but buy some imported. I did not do the importing. The importing was already done. Uh, so just let it be clear. I am not an importer nor an exporter. I'm not George Casanza and Seinfeld. And not in that way anyways. Anyway, so I ordered some, uh, I bought some American uh, energy drinks. And uh, that shit's got way more caffeine in it. And um I got some running around to do today. I can't be sitting around uh, sipping on an energy drink for my whole day. So I just have a regular can of sugar-free Red Bull. Uh, fun fact, for those that are curious about Red Bull and energy drinks for any reason, uh, this can has less uh, caffeine in it than a cup of coffee. Just by a little bit. It's about 80, gram, uh, 80 milligrams of caffeine compared to, I think, like 113 in your average a cup of coffee. So there you go. There's your caffeine talk for the show. Let's move on uh, to our regularly scheduled program of news. Nintendo Switch sells a hundred and twenty-two million consoles, but Nintendo has lowered its sales targets for the fiscal year in software. Pokemon sold twenty million copies in six weeks. So Nintendo Switch has now sold one hundred and twenty-two point. 55 million Switch consoles uh, as of December 31st. Uh, that is up from 114 million. And that makes it, if I if I get this data correctly, that makes it the greatest selling. Ooh, is it the greatest selling? We have some other news, uh, some other console news, uh, sales news in just a moment, but I just wanted to confirm here. Um that this would make it the best-selling console of all time. I do believe 
that the PlayStation, well, let's double check, PlayStation 2 sale. Okay, so, okay, so we still have a ways to go um, because the PlayStation 2, uh, if this data is correct, uh, yes, allow all cookies. Oh, for God's sakes, just, just tell me worldwide. Don't make me do math. Please don't make me do math. Oh, this website is like not designed for human beings. Um, yes. Okay. So as of January 4th, 2013, when they should have stopped making PlayStation twos, you know, uh, the PlayStation two is, has 158 million, uh, consoles sold. Uh, the switch on the other hand, 122, pretty darn good. If you ask me, I mean, like for, you know, a console that is this kind of weird hybrid style, you know, handheld docked and all that stuff. Um, you know, that is pretty, that is pretty darn good. Now, you know, it isn't the best Nintendo selling console of all time though. Uh, the best Nintendo selling console of all time is Nintendo's DS that has 154 million consoles. Again, only, only thing that's outsold that is the PlayStation 2 with 155 million. Now, I don't know. I don't know if Nintendo's actually going to be able to beat that number. Be, again, partially because the, the switch is very long in the tooth, uh, very long in the tooth. Um, and you know, Sony was announcing, you know, we're going to get to it in a little bit, but Sony was announcing their, uh, their sales numbers for like the PlayStation five and the PlayStation four PlayStation four sold 117 million consoles. And, uh, that number is probably quick to dry up because, you know, a lot of folks are moving on from uh, from PlayStation uh, 4 uh, to PlayStation 5. But here we are. Nintendo Switch sells 122 million consoles. Uh, Take-Two, if you, if you don't know Take-Two, those are the people that uh, uh, publish uh, games like Marvel's Midnight Suns or XCOM or Grand Theft Auto. And uh, Take-Two has some things to say about the imperfect release window that may have contributed to Marvel's Midnight Suns sales. Uh, Marvel's Midnight Suns, if you've never played it, is a turn-based uh, strategy game, a role-playing strategy game from the folks that have made uh, XCOM. And it was a critical success. You know, the critics, uh, reviewers... Uh, we're pretty positive on uh, Midnight Suns and its kind of interpretation of, you know, Marvel and 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 strategy and and tactics and and all of that stuff. But uh, the game uh, wasn't a big seller, and uh, part of the reason for that is Midnight Suns was released in early December, and you know, I would and a lot of people would say that you should stop putting out video games by. Um, by early December, early December is probably the last, um, you know, that first week of December is probably the, the last week you should be putting out games before you kind of just let the year, um, uh, finish out and let people buy the games that are available, you know, as part of a black Friday. Well, I guess black Friday would have been over by then, but boxing day, you know, Christmas presents, holiday presents, all of that stuff. Um, but the other thing is, is that if you're going to release in early December, you need to be one of the biggest games of the year. And Mi Marvel's Midnight Suns was not that, despite having the Marvel name, you know, in the title, despite it being all about Avengers and, and all this stuff, not the uh, biggest game of the year. And that's why we saw a lot of versions of it heavily discounted within a month or so of release, uh, suggesting that its publisher had been disappointed with some of the commercial performance. Now, I have not had the chance to play Marvel's Midnight Suns. Um, so, again, some folks really like it. Um, the storytelling, uh, the character building, the relationships you can form with those characters. Uh, people seem quite happy with it. Maybe I will give it a shot. But I'm assuming that if I do, I will find it on sale. Take-Two also planning to lay off uh, a number of staff as part of a $50 million cost reduction program. $50 million, if you don't know, is what Grand Theft Auto Online earns every second of every day. So I don't know why they're choosing to fire these people. Also, that's not true. I don't think GTA Online earns $50 million a second. But GTA Online prints money. And it's very unfortunate to hear that Take-Two is planning to lay off some people as part of its cost reduction program. Um, 
In an interview with GameIndustry.biz, Take-Two CEO Strauss Zelnick said the company isn't planning a broad-based reduction in its workforce. Uh, we continue to support and build our development teams. And where we have overhead, we have to be very diligent about looking at the overhead, he said. We don't expect any kind of broad-based reduction in workforce. We're going department by department and trying to drive efficiency. So... Uh, this was after the news article had come out, basically Strauss Zelnick, the CEO of Take Two, kind of uh, arguing that that's not what they plan on doing. Um, but when you go department by department trying to drive efficiency, you will find things that are less efficient than you would like them to be. And when companies find a lack of efficiency, they usually fire, you know, lay off, reduce the workforce in those areas. It's as simple as that. So for Strauss to be like, oh, it's not, you know, that bad or whatever the case may be, uh, I think is uh, absolute uh, bullshit. Uh, we have a lot of news. We are still trucking along in news, but I'm trying to get through these news articles as reasonably quick as possible. Assassin's Creed Valhalla has won the first video game soundtrack Grammy. Now, if you watch the Grammys, good for you. You already know how I feel about uh, award shows and what in and, and if you don't know, and I don't really like award shows. And if there's if there's going to be a, an award show I would watch, it would be the Oscars and that's about it. Definitely wouldn't watch the Grammys and last time I watched the video game award shows, it felt like pulling teeth uh or at least I would rather have my teeth pulled for uh most of that award show. Um, the first ever video game soundtrack Grammy has been won by Assassin's Creed Valhalla Dawn of Ragnarok. Dawn of Ragnarok is the DLC uh, expansion for Assassin's Creed Valhalla. Uh, it beat out uh, Aliens, Fireteam Elite, Call of Duty Vanguard, Marvel's Guardians of the Galaxy, and Old World. I would argue, listen, I don't know anything about Assassin's Creed, Ragnarok, Valhalla, whatever it's called. I will tell you that Marvel's Guardians of the Galaxy soundtrack is incredible. It's like, it's, it is so good between the licensed music, the original music, uh, that they did for that game. Uh, Marvel's Guardians of the Galaxy is good, damn it. And more people should play that game. That's really all I have to say about that. Um, Dragon Age Dreadwolf, a long in development, uh, fourth Dragon Age game, Dreadwolf. Uh, the gameplay, gameplay leaked for Dragon Age Dreadwolf, uh, showing God of War style combat. Uh, Dr Dragon Age, if you've never played it. An RPG, um, that RPG, uh, you know, gameplay has sometimes taken the form of turn-based, you know, strategy games, ordering your team around, selecting uh, which um, attacks to use and, and things like that. And I'm just looking at this gameplay now. If you haven't had the chance uh, to go look it up, uh, go do so. It's, it's readily available online. But basically it shows your player character actively rolling and dodging and attacking with your sword in what looks like combo attacks. Uh, it also shows you drop kicking an enemy. So for fans of Dying Light and drop kicks in video games in general, look out because Dragon Age Dreadwolf has a drop kick in it. Last of Us. Uh, I've saved The Last of Us for the last of the news. Last of Us has been delayed on PC, Naughty Dog confirms. The PC version will now arrive after the finale of the HBO show is aired. If you have had not had a chance to watch the HBO Last of Us show, it is a fabulous show. Um, I, am, I was not even the biggest Last of Us fan uh, going into the show, and I have loved my time watching the show, episode 4. Uh, we're up to episode 4 now. Uh, for those that are watching the Super Bowl, on uh, on Sunday, do note that the episode five of Last of Us will be out uh, this Friday. So as of basically when the when you hear this podcast, if you listen to this podcast the day it comes out, which is on a Friday, uh, just know that the Last of Us uh, episode five will also be out on Friday. Naughty Dog has delayed the release of Last of Us Part One on PC. The remaster of 2013 PS3 game was due to release on PC March 3rd. However, in a statement published on Friday, its developer announced it had been pushed back to March 28th. Now, this is uh, basically uh, the PS5 remastered version of Last of Us put out on PC. So this is not the PlayStation 4 version. This is the PlayStation 5 version. Uh, this means the PC version will now release a few weeks after the conclusion of the hit HBO show, which is due to air its final episode on Sunday, March 12th. They should just, if I, look, 
fuck everybody. If I was HBO and if I was Sony, I would just put like a trailer for The Last of Us Part 1 on PC. Uh, I would just put a commercial for it like smack dab in the middle of the show. Like, fuck everybody. Go buy our video game. It's out. The whole reason that the show came out was to get people to buy more copies of our game. So here you go. Um, and that's probably a bad idea. Probably a bad idea. The show's really good though. The show, the show's good. If you have, uh, not had a chance to watch it, you, my friend are missing out. Oh my goodness. Oh my goodness. Oh, I lied. This is not the last news story. I lied. Sony claims nearly 30% of active PlayStation 5 users never used a PS4. What do you say about that? We just talked about how the PlayStation 4 one of the best-selling game consoles of all time, but 30% of those active PS5 users, according to Sony, have never used a PS5. I wonder how many of these active PlayStation users have never been with a real woman. I'm joking. I'm joking. I'm just, I'm just yanking your chain. I'm just being mean, all right? Uh, this claim was shared as part of a company presentation discussing its Q3 2022 results for this financial year. Uh, the, peer and, uh, the period ending in December 2022, in which Sony noted that the percentage of monthly active users has increased by around 30% in December. In addition, it said nearly 30% of its PS5 monthly active users are users who never used PlayStation 4, so with the spread of PS5, the acquisition of new users is progressing. You know, Sony trying to sell consoles to people who've never bought consoles before, and the PlayStation 5 is so goddamn popular especially in comparison to something like the Xbox Series S and X, that they are now selling to consoles to people who never never played one before, or at least never played a PlayStation 5, or not PlayStation 4, excuse me. In a separate document, Sony defined monthly active users as an estimated total number of unique accounts that played games or used services on PlayStation Network during the last month of the quarter, noting that it is based on the company research and may be updated in the future. It should be noted that because this refers to unique accounts that played games rather than individual consoles purchased, uh, this could also include players creating multiple accounts in order to play games for multiple regions or for family members. So keep that in mind. Sony's main message during its Q3 2022 results was that the period was PS5's best sales quarter yet, selling 7.1 million units in three months, ending in uh, December 31st, 2022, to reach 32 million console shipped. So PlayStation 5, 32 million console shipped, which is uh, pretty impressive. Earlier this week, Sony signaled that the PS5's long battle with supply chain issues was finally over. Uh, quote, if you're looking to purchase a PS5 console, you should now have a much easier time finding one at a retailer globally. That's what they said. Uh, PlayStation Plus subscribers are still down by nearly 1 million users since its revamped service launched in June. Again, I would say that the PlayStation 5 has a lot to offer people. The PlayStation Plus subscription service does not have a lot to offer people. So hopefully uh, Sony can figure out um, how to, you know, get those users deeper into the PlayStation ecosystem, the PlayStation lifestyle, for lack of a better word. That is it for news. That That is, like, actually it for news. Um, I have been playing games, you know, at, at more or less the same rate, um that I was last week. Um, I'm going to put down dead space. I made it about halfway through dead space. And, uh, I think for me having played, uh, you know, a good chunk of dead space back when it originally came out. Um, there is not now that I've seen the new coat of paint. Now that I've seen how faithful at times the game, you know, it has been remade to the standards of the old game. Um, I think I've now kind of run my course with, uh, with dead space, the pacing, the story is not necessarily grabbing me, uh, especially the same way it was when it, the game originally came out. Um, I don't find it particularly scary because I've, you know, played parts of dead space back when it originally came out. And I did go back and play a little bit of dead space, uh, original, uh, before the remake came out. So I'm kind of dead spaced out to some extent. Um, but for those that are looking to pick up Dead Space, you know, to keep in mind, it is a, you know, a 12, 13-ish hour 
hour game. So a decent amount of meat on the bones of a, you know, single player game. Um, plus I think they have uh, some collectibles uh, for you trying to, you know, a hundred percent the game and all of that stuff. But yeah, I'm just, I think I'm kind of done with dead space. Um, played a lot more Hitman freelancer. I have had a string of rotten luck in Hitman freelancer. So remember uh, when we talked about Hitman freelancer, when you choose the items and, and tools and weapons that you're going to bring into the game uh, mission, if you die in that mission, you lose all of the stuff that you brought in. And I have had a string of uh, some bad hits. I've had, uh, I, I feel like maybe I started off as a one hit wonder uh, cruising and making it happen in that uh, game mode. But uh, I've lost a lot of good weapons, uh, especially a lot of like silenced weapons that makes it a little bit easier to do some headshots and take out some fools uh, from a safe distance. Lost a decent chunk of money. So now when I do enter uh, those, uh, those maps and those missions again and, and redo the campaigns I've been trying to run, um, I can't even afford some of the best weaponry and gear in the game uh, as of right now. So real rotten luck in Hitman Freelancer. Hopefully I can land back on my feet. That is just a game that like if I have 30, 40 minutes, um, you know, during a work day or something, I might, uh, you know, try to do a mission or two in Hitman Freelancer. But I am quite disappointed in my performance in it so far. Um, again, you know. Maybe I move on to something else. Maybe I do consider picking up uh, Harry Potter, you know, or sorry, uh, Hogwarts Legacy, especially if we can find it on sale. Um, there have been some PC versions of Hogwarts Legacy that have been uh, on sale. So uh, maybe I will do just that. Uh, my time at Sandrock. We streamed a bunch of my time at Sandrock yesterday. Um, I That game is in early access. So that game is not done. That game is supposed to have a full final release and update. Uh, sometime this year and I feel like I'm I'm really I'm like 21 hours into the game so far and I feel like I'm actually really starting to rub against the limitations of that game right you know you go talk to some characters in the game and some characters have you know fully voiced dialogue you go talk to other characters in the game and they don't it's just all text right um, I feel like I've seen some areas of the game some environments in the game that graphically do not look as good as other, you know, environments in the game. So uh, that's kind of where I'm at with my time at Santa Rock. I'm almost wondering if I should just kind of leave it be uh, for a couple of months and come back to it after an update or two. Um, there's still plenty of other games to play. I still need to go back and play some Resident Evil 8 Village. Uh, maybe I should go back to Hi-Fi Rush. Maybe I should pick up Hogwarts Legacy. Uh, we shall see. Um, tomorrow... If you're watching this live, come on back to my Twitch channel, twitch.tv slash GNITT tomorrow, because we're going to do, uh, we're going to play a bunch of games. We're, I don't usually sit down and play a bunch of games during a stream. What I typically do instead is sit down and play one game, but, uh, and I'm just loading this up on my computer now, bear with me. Uh, the Steam Next Fest is happening now. Steam Next Fest is a celebration of upcoming games. Uh, when I recorded my Game of the Year podcast, I did talk about some of my favorite and most anticipated upcoming games of this year. A lot of those games were big AAA games, whereas the Steam Next Fest is focusing on primarily smaller indie, uh, perhaps more budget games that are going to be coming out in the near future. So um, come on back to my Twitch channel tomorrow. We are going to be playing a bunch of the demos uh, that those upcoming games uh, have as of right now. Um, I got a bunch of games that I may be playing. Uh, 10 Dates, which I believe is like a dating simulator. Uh, Taped Tape, which is a uh, hockey game. There, uh, Some folks got together, made a new hockey game. Um, a lot of these games are only out on PC or might be only coming out on PC, at least initially. So, so if you are excited by them, do keep in mind they may only be available on PC. Uh, Tape to Tape, uh, Caragon, Die by the Blade, Perseus, Titan Slayer, Scene Investigators, Monsters Domain, Paranoid, Shadows of Doubt, The Last Case of Benedict Fox, which I, I am really looking forward to, The Last Case of Benedict Fox, Ravenbound, Operation Harsh Doorstep, Operation Harsh Doorstep, Fabledom, and Sons of Valhalla. Those are all games that I'm going to be checking out. I don't know if I'm going to actually stream every single one of those games tomorrow. Um, what I am probably going to do later today is mess around with uh, some of the games that uh, are 
um, that are available um, and then maybe kind of condense that list down to something a little more palatable. Uh, but definitely going to check out Tape to Tape. Definitely going to check out Last Case of Benedict Fox. Probably also going to check out that System Shock uh, reboot, uh, remake demo as well. So uh, come on back for that. And if you're looking for my uh, recorded impressions of those games, well, you're just going to have to come back and check out the Glitch Report podcast tomorrow. Uh, not tomorrow. <laughs> You have to check it out uh, next week. Again, we're going to stream those games tomorrow. Uh, video versions of all of those uh, gameplay demos will also be up on my YouTube channel uh, for those interested. But yeah, I am. Uh, I kind of need to find a new game and, and stick with it uh, to some extent. Um, again, going to continue to chip away at Hitman Freelancer. Might go back to some my time at Sandrock, but again, I'm kind of looking for them to get that game a little bit closer to release, put some more spit shine and polish on my time at Sandrock. Until then, I might just play something else. Uh, we shall see. That is going to do it for Glitch Report. I have been Nitwit. You can find everything that I do over at my Linktree, linktree.com slash G-N-I-T-T-W-I-T-T, Twitch, Twitter, YouTube, Instagram, everything, everywhere, all at once in one convenient location. Tell a friend, tell a family member, hey, you know, this podcast is available on iTunes, on Spotify. It's a YouTube version. If you want to watch the video, it's on Amazon and Google. It's it's all over the place, man. Like I said, at the start of the show, I get around. Damn it, I get around. And uh, I'm going to get around to recording this podcast next week. And I will see you then. Take it easy. Thank you so much for listening and watching. We'll see you next time.